Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Alan Fine, uh, podcast editor of the Annals of the American Thoracic Society. And today, uh, it is a real pleasure to talk uh, with a real expert, Dr. Neil Schluger, professor of medicine uh, at uh, Columbia University College of Physicians, uh, regarding a topic that uh, seemed to be simple, but is getting increasingly uh, complex, uh, and that is uh, screening uh, patients or screening uh, individuals at risk uh, for tuberculosis. And we're going to be focusing on uh, a paper to be published this month in the Annals entitled Reproducibility of Interferon Gamma Release Assays, a Systematic Review uh, by Tagmudi et al. Uh, and Dr. Schluger uh, uh, wrote with uh, Dr. Brzezinski, the uh, Chief of TB Control for the City of New York, uh, an accompanying editorial, book, editorial uh, uh, entitled Variability in Interferon Gamma Release Assays Re, uh, Results in, in Screening for TB, a Way, fee, a way Forward. Uh, so I'm going to start by asking uh, Dr. Schluger, uh, uh, can you uh, briefly explain the biologic basis for tuberculin skin test uh, assays and interferon assays, uh, um, and uh, are they measuring the, sa the same thing? Why, why, did, why did we go in these two directions? And So uh, I'd, I'd love to hear that answer. So tuberculin skin tests and interferon gamma release assays are essentially measuring the same biological phenomena and have the same biological basis. A tuberculin skin test uh, involves the intradermal injection of purified protein derivative, PPD, which is a mixture of some 200 proteins secreted by uh, mycobacterium tuberculosis when it's grown in culture. Those proteins, the PPD is injected intradermally, um, and those proteins are taken up by antigen-presenting cells in the skin, processed, presented on their surface, uh, and if a if an individual has had prior exposure to TB, that individual will have memory T cells, will, which will recognize those antigens presented on the surface of the antigen-presenting cells, and uh, that recognition begins a local immune response that's characterized predominantly by the local production of interferon gamma, and that causes the characteristic induration and erythema, the swelling and the redness that we recognize as a positive tuberculin test. Interferon gamma release assays essentially do the same thing in a test tube. Patient's blood is drawn tuberculosis antigens are introduced into the blood sample and circulating immune cells uh, take up those antigens, present them on their surface. They're recognized by T cells if the patient has had prior exposure to TB and interferon gamma is then released by those T cells into the serum. Uh, interferon gamma release assays were developed for two reasons. Um, one is operational simplicity. Tuberculin skin test, which is a very old test invented in 1908, uh, requires that the injection, the PPD injection, be done properly, that the patient return 
two to three days later to have it read that the induration, the bump on the skin is read and recorded properly. Um, the interferon gamma release assays, there are two that are commercially available, are a simple blood tests. Um, the patient just has to give a small amount of blood, does not have to return from the result. The interferon gamma uh, in the serum or in the T cells is uh, assayed in a lab by very standard techniques um, and gives a result. So the interferon gamma release assays give operational simplicity. Um, there was also a hope that the interferon gamma release assays could have a biological advantage. The PPD that's used in a tuberculin skin test um, contains proteins that are secreted by other mycobacterial species, including the strains of mycobacterium bovis that are used to make the BCG vaccine against TB. Now, BCG is the most widely used vaccine in the world. Uh, it's not used in the United States, but it's used uh, in many, many, many other countries around the world. Uh, and there is some evidence that prior vaccination with BCG can cause confounding and false positive skin tests in some patients. The infrared gamma release assays uh, address this issue by uh, instead of using PPD, a mixture of 200 proteins, to stimulate the immune response, they use just two or three proteins that are found in mycobacterium tuberculosis but are not found in uh, BCG strains of mycobacteria and should therefore allow better specificity. So the interferon gamma release assays uh, compared to skin testing really measure the same biologic phenomenon, but they do it in an operationally simpler way uh, and in a way that should have have greater biological specificity for true exposure to TB rather than uh, uh, exposure to TB or prior vaccination with BCG. So uh, a couple of uh, questions that come to my mind. In addition to BCG, wh what about uh, the non-tuberculous uh, mycobacteria? That's, that's such a common uh, problem now. Does, uh, do these uh, tests uh, perform better in uh, that situation? The interferon gamma release assays should never be positive uh, just because of prior exposure to mycobacterium avium complex organisms, uh, which are now by far the most common of the non-tuberculous mycobacterial species that we deal with in clinical practice. Uh, they could uh, potentially uh, give a positive result in patients who have been uh, exposed to or infected with mycobacterium kansasii, uh, but that's not a major uh, clinically important problem for us in the United States. Uh, and uh, similarly, they could cross-react with a few other uh, rare, uncommon non-tuberculous mycobacteria. But the most common non-tuberculous mycobacterial species that we all see in practice is mycobacterium avium complex, and the interferon gamma release assays really should not have cross-reactivity with any of those. Uh, so I, I think you've answered one of my prime questions, which is, are uh, the tests measuring the same thing? And, and they are. Um, but uh, how does a uh, clinician uh, or a, uh, an employee health uh, director uh, decide uh, when to use which 
uh, which of these tests, uh, you know, and I'm sure some of this is uh, opinion-based, but I'd like to hear your opinion. Right. So that's really the important question. You know, how do we use these things in practice? Um, the first thing I think to remember is that both skin testing and the gamma release assays are tests for exposure to TB. Neither one of them is uh, a test for active tuberculosis, um, and either a positive or negative skin test or interferon gamma release assay um, does not rule in or rule out active tuberculosis disease. So these are really tests for exposure to tuberculosis, and most of the time they're going to be used uh, when uh, patients are being evaluated for latent tuberculosis infection. The CDC issued guidelines about the use of interferon gamma release assays in 2010, and at that time, they said that either skin testing or interferon gamma release assays uh, could be used uh, essentially any time uh, that uh, a patient was being investigated uh, for tuberculosis exposure or latent tuberculosis. Uh, infection. So either test was acceptable uh, really in any situation for uh, persons above the age of five. In, in younger children, there was uh, a lack of evidence about the utility of interferon gamma release assays. So in 2010, CDC said either test was really appropriate uh, anytime someone was being investigated for uh, latent tuberculosis. Um, they emphasized that in general, only one or the other test should be used. Uh, it doesn't really make sense to do both tests in, uh, in, in individuals. Um, and then they made the further recommendation that because of the, the biological specificity advantage that interferon gamma release assays have, um, uh, particularly in eliminating the confounding from prior BCG vaccine, uh, CDC recommended that the interferon gamma release assays be used preferentially in persons who have a history of BCG vaccination. I think those recommendations are all still quite sound. Um, I think both tests are good. Um, I think operationally, interferon gamma release assays uh, have a clear advantage, although they cost more. Um, but the ease for patients, the ease for health systems, I think gives them an advantage there. And certainly, I think accumulating evidence over several years now indicates that they really are more specific in patients who've had prior BCG. Um, and those patients uh, are of particular interest because most active tuberculosis in the United States now occurs in pers persons born outside the U.S. Most of those people have had BCG. So if we're trying to identify those persons recent immigrants to the U.S. who've had latent TB, who should be treated for latent t TB to prevent active TB, um, I think the, the most accurate, the most specific way to test for latent TB in those patients is with an interferon gamma release assay as compared to a skin test. Now, the, the second half of the question um, about healthcare workers uh, is where it gets more complicated. So many healthcare workers in, in many hospitals uh, and other healthcare settings um, are tested every year for exposure to TB. The paper by Tag Moody that's being published in the Annals uh, reviews a number of studies that have looked at repeated use of interferon gamma release assays, uh, the reproducibility of, of the test when it's done 
over and over again in the same individual. And what they found in their review, uh, and this is certainly my experience uh, both as a clinician and as a researcher in this field, is that there is more variability with interferon gamma release assays when they're done repeatedly in the same person um, than there seems to be with skin testing. And this could certainly um, result in what seem to be false positive tests and apparently false positive conversions on the order of as much as 6% of the time. Um, and, and this has really created uh, a question about what's the, the best strategy for testing healthcare workers. Uh, I think, as we suggest in our editorial, there are several approaches to this. One is that um, if employee health services have been using skin testing for many years and uh, it seems to be working for them, that is to say they aren't having employees develop active TB, that they feel like they're adequately um, screening uh, for conversions, um, that it's reasonable to continue that strategy with skin testing. Um, many employee health services would rather not do skin testing, though, because the time, effort, money, energy it takes to track down the employees, do the skin test, have them come back, uh, is really quite considerable. Um, but, but if the strategy has been working, um, there's no necessarily strong reason to change it. Another strategy could be um, if your employee health service is using interferon gamma release assays um, and an employee on yearly screening comes up unexpectedly positive, um, that is to say positive but with no history of contact with a patient who had TB or anyone else that they know with TB, um, the employee health service could simply repeat the interferon gamma release assay in three or four months and if it's negative, um, then not treat that patient uh, as a uh, as a new converter. There's a completely different strategy, though, that um, uh, I think people should consider in employee health services, uh, and it really has to do with looking at the epidemiology of TB in healthcare workers in the United States. Currently, active TB is uncommon in the U.S. Most healthcare workers work in hospitals where there are very few cases of active TB, um, and the risk of exposure uh, to active TB for those healthcare workers is extremely low. And in fact, if one looks at the epidemiology of TB in healthcare workers in the United States, it seems identical to the general population. That is to say, being a healthcare worker in the U.S., by and large, for the vast majority of healthcare workers, is no longer a high-risk occupation in terms of uh, uh, occupational tuberculosis risk. Um, so I think a, a completely alternative strategy for testing healthcare workers um, would be, in fact, to test all healthcare workers upon hiring, uh, upon first employment, with either a skin test or an interferon gamma release assay, certainly an interferon gamma release assay if they were born outside the U.S. and had BCG, test them all on employment. Anyone who's positive should be recommended to have treatment for latent TB infection, and then going forward only to test persons who in the course of their work or life in general have had known contact with uh, someone with TB. Um, I, I think that's a, a reasonable strategy uh, to pursue. Um, and I'm hoping that uh, when the guidelines for testing and treating latent TB infection are, are updated in the very near future, that they'll uh, take into account that kind of suggestion.
Well, this is, uh, you know, very useful information. I, I had um, two questions that came up that uh, about the Burke, uh testing for mm-hmm. latent TB, and I, I'm going to give them to you. Is I, as a um, practicing pulmonologist, I often get referrals for patients uh, at low risk uh, with uh, with TB tests that are read as positive, usually tuberculin, mm-hmm. uh, uh, done as part of a routine, what's called a routine physical exam. Is there any uh, reason to uh, test individuals without exposure or any particular risk for TB as part of routine health health maintenance? Right, so that's a terrific question and a really important point. The CDC has stressed now for several years um, that uh, low-risk persons should not be tested for latent tuberculosis infection. Uh, The people who should be tested for latent TB infection should be uh, people who are immunocompromised, whether it's because of HIV infection or uh, medications that they're taking, um, uh, people with other medical conditions that predispose to TB, such as end-stage renal disease or poorly controlled diabetes or history of silicosis, or um, people who seem to uh, be at risk for very recent acquisition of infection, close contacts of active cases of TB, recent immigrants to the United States from countries where TB is quite common, or uh, those healthcare workers uh, uh, who do work in high-risk settings uh, who have evidence of uh, ongoing exposure to TB, those are the people who should be tested for TB exposure. If you're not one of those people, you really shouldn't be tested, and I think that's a message we really need to get out there, that, that testing for TB, latent TB infection, is in no way part of general medical care or routine medical evaluations. Only those people that I just mentioned are, are the people who really should be tested. A uh, question that came up yesterday, pertain, should, should people in a pulmonary or critical care division be tested uh, annually as, as just as a matter of course? So at the moment, uh, the recommendations uh, really relate to um, the kind of setting you're working in. Um, the vast majority of hospitals in the United States take care of very few or no patients with tuberculosis. Um, and uh, I think in general, most healthcare workers are tested too much for uh, exposure to TB. Now, within, uh, among healthcare workers, historically, nurses have had the highest risk of tuberculosis infection uh, because they probably have the most direct and prolonged patient contact. Within medicine, um, there was a study several years ago that was published that suggested, for example, that pulmonary physicians have a higher risk of uh, exposure to TB than, let's say, infectious disease physicians, and and some of that risk was uh, presumed to be related uh, to the fact that we do bronchoscopy, uh, which is probably a higher risk activity than than just uh, taking a, a history and doing a physical exam on a patient. Um, I still think that um, for most physicians, uh, there's very little risk of TB. Uh, On the other hand, pulmonologists are often asked to see patients with suspected TB, and within uh, 
the general universe of physicians uh, probably have a somewhat higher risk of exposure to TB than than other physicians. So um, pulmonologists will probably be the last group that's let off the hook for routine TB screening. Um, but I really think it goes back to, you know, what's your setting? I mean, frankly, if you're a pulmonologist in South Dakota, um, there's extremely little chance that uh, you're being exposed to TB. If, on the other hand, <clears throat> you're working in areas uh, like Queens in New York City, uh, which uh, still has a reasonably high incidence of tuberculosis, it's probably not unreasonable. Well, since uh, I do a lot of my work in Queens, I guess I'll continue to get uh, <laughs> tested. Uh, finally, and this again came up uh, this week, uh, uh, and it came up in the setting of uh, dialysis patients. Some, uh, how soon after a potential exposure uh, should individuals be tested? Uh, if they were, uh, I'll just leave 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 it at that. I mean, it, a week, two weeks, two months. But what, what's what what is reasonable? Usually, uh, we say that um, there should be an interval of about six to eight weeks uh, before testing after a potential exposure. Um, most of that's derived in the skin testing era and not in the infrared gamma release era. Um, but uh, in general. Um, six to eight weeks. Um, there, are, there are times when uh, in certain circumstances, very young children or very immunocompromised patients who we know have had a high-risk exposure, they live with someone with active tuberculosis, uh, where we'll do an immediate um, uh, test, and even if it's negative, uh, because it's an immunocompromised person with high-risk exposure, we'll begin to treat that person uh, for latent tuberculosis infection and then repeat uh, the test two to three months later uh, and stop the treatment if the test is negative. Uh, we call that window prophylaxis. Um, but that's only something we do in, in very young children or, or uh, quite immunocompromised patients. And most other patients, I think testing them uh, eight weeks or so after exposure uh, makes sense as long as they're asymptomatic. Well, I want to uh, thank uh, Dr. Schluger, and I certainly learned a lot, and I'm going to be um, a much better uh, practicing uh, New York City doctor now. And um, uh, once again, this was uh, Dr. Alan Fine uh, uh, for the Annals of the American Thoracic Society, uh, interviewing Dr. Neil Schluger about uh, the uh, use of gamma interferon and tuberculin uh, skin testing uh, for detecting latent tuberculosis. Uh, thanks, and have a great day.